0: You know, normally we say, all right, back to work, except yeah. no one's leaving. Go back to your to dinette turn.
1: set. <laughs> back to your pajamas.
0: <laughs> Hello, friends. All right. All right. Hey. Hi. Well, we're not alone today. We have some guests. Rich, Andrew Montalenti and Sashin Kamdar are here, and they are the co-founders of Parsley.
2: Guys, you know, I, I love a good entrepreneur story. So tell us the story behind Parsley and tell us what it does. And and I guess if you if possible, give us the elevator pitch, but the building is not very tall. It's only like 15 stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew and I got started in terms of just our relationship as college roommates. So we knew each other back at NYU. We were roommates our senior year. We would always geek about startups, technology. For fun, we would build business plans around different ideas that we had. Nothing too serious that we wanted to execute on top of, just sharing our joint interest. And after college, we went our separate ways, lurked for large organizations, realized that we both hated that for similar reasons around not being able to see the Fruits of our labor through the impact that we can make in those organizations. So then we did what every good entrepreneur did: is we quit. We quit our
3: jobs on the same day at the height of the last great recession. So gutsy, <laughs> and uh, and we basically just started working on the shell of what was going to become Parsley when there was nothing but financial distress all around us. So we got the company started basically around two thousand nine. Got the company funded only two years later, so sort of bootstrapped the company for the first two years of its life. And then landed on a core product for the content and media ecosystem around 2012 and grew the company up since then. So what what's the opening you saw?
2: You know, there are a lot of tools like yeah. this. So you were, what was the gap?
1: It was a series of pivots. You know, Andrew and I have always been focused and interested on digital content, and we had a consumer-facing application we launched that was kind of in the personalization space. We saw the ability to build that service for media companies and the way that we built it for consumers, and that worked, and we started to get more... Of an understanding of how media companies operated and where there were clear needs, pain points, and opportunities. And what we saw is that every media company spoke a big game about data as a cornerstone piece of uh, strategy and technology for their business. But then in practice, we saw that there were only a couple of people at the organization that were using legacy analytics not built for content to help drive the business forward. And that just wasn't working. And so we wanted to do two things, build an analytics platform from the ground up specifically for content, and then two, make it so that it was accessible and democratized across the organization, especially so that creators could understand what their audience wanted, what they were interested in, where they were coming from and use that insight and use that information to develop more compelling stories that would drive larger audiences, better engagement. And so over time from there, working with media companies, we started to work more with entertainment companies, and then we've expanded to just anybody that cares about growing an audience through content, which has launched our ability to grow inside of many verticals today.
0: Give us an example of the, I mean, you know, we're on a podcast, so it's hard to see a dashboard. Like I log into my Parsley account. I am at a website called the News of New York. And what do I see?
3: You end up seeing a a really detailed view of all of your content first, sorted by a number of metrics that Parsley measures. So, We measure things like the views of the content, but also the engage time, like how often or how long people are spending on each page of content and organic sharing offsite on platforms like Facebook and Twitter and so on. But then you also see all the content grouped by things like category, theme, topical tag, author, by when you published it, and any number of other grouping criteria. So basically, it's like if you run a CMS or you run a newsroom or a media company you can get the complete multi-dimensional view of all the content you're publishing and what's causing different people to come to your site at different times and why they're staying.
0: So it's got some smarts about content. Like it tells me that, you know, people are really interested in articles about viruses these days or, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then how many clients, you have a lot of clients, right?
1: Yeah, we work with about 400 enterprises spanning media companies, large entertainment companies, And then we work with marketing teams at a lot of large brands as well that are creating their own content and trying to drive audience and business value back through that content.
0: So indirectly across the media, you're able to see what hundreds of millions of people are looking at and thinking about and how they're behaving right now. It's over a billion people a month, actually. Yeah. How are you finding sales at this exact moment?
1: Yeah, it's day by day. So, I mean, we have been... We're thankful that we. it looks, you know, knock on wood, we're still getting the numbers today because it's April 1st, that we're going to hit our target for Q1 for this year. There was a lot of noise over the last two weeks, a lot of customers that had fear and uncertainty about doing business with us, but handling those conversations one-on-one with our sales team and our executives proved to be fruitful. I don't think I feel confident in saying what's going to happen in Q2. But I think that there are opportunities here. And if we can focus on those opportunities and help our customers and our prospects win with that, that's going to prove valuable for them and for us. And with people that are in pain, what can we give them to help them get around that pain and solve through the problems that they have? And so for our current customers, it's not about how can we upsell them? It's what can we do to help you out? And for any prospects we're talking to, it's how can we make sure that you're getting the critical analysis and insights you need to hopefully make a healthy pivot into success in the next couple months.
0: I mean, and let's let's talk a little bit about some of the changes you're seeing industry wide. I think Andrew, you have some like good data on
1: just broad trends that we're seeing related to content consumption, and then I know you recently did an analysis, kind of looking at the changes within to- uh, different topic areas. That would be cool to dive into. Yeah,
3: yeah. So at a high level, Paul, basically, this is the biggest single event that Parsley has seen in over six or seven years of measuring a really large network of traffic in -hmm. terms of a change in how people view content online. So first of all, in a two-week span in kind of the buildup of the crisis, we saw something on the order of a 60% increase in traffic to content publishers overall. And that's basically Mm. spanning across every content category. What you ended up seeing there that's kind of interesting is that I think we measured that something like 13 to 15% of that traffic was coming from specifically coronavirus related content. But actually, people are just reading content overall. A lot more not just related to the crisis the crisis obviously as you mentioned is causing a lot of people to work from home to use their devices a little bit more and that's causing people to check on news content and information content more frequently of course the virus itself is also causing people to check content about the crisis itself more frequently too but we actually saw growth in traffic across a number of categories I think what uh, Sachin was mentioning about different categories that are growing at different levels, we see a really big growth in content related to personal finance and business. That kind of makes a lot of sense, given the effect on the markets, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: Yeah, that that may not be there for much longer. That might be.
3: Exactly. Well, I don't know. The recovery, It depends on whether you believe in a V-shaped or an L-shaped recovery, I guess. But mm-hmm. if it's an L-shaped mm-hmm. recovery, it might be there for a while, right? And then the other side that we also see is there's just a huge new level of uh, interest in content around things like health, fitness, and science. That was another just like big standout difference from the prior period. So I think like basically people are more curious about the things that they're directly being affected by in this change. But I'll just also say they're just reading more content and online more too, right?
1: And I'll just add to that, that over the past several years, We've just seen content consumption go up in general, so irrespective of events, people are just have just been consuming more content. But there is obviously a fixed limit with that because there's only so much time in a day that somebody can spend doing that. And so that eventually flattens out. Now, I think what has happened with you know the coronavirus and forcing people to work from home is that has expanded a window. Of time where people can consume more. And so I think we're seeing that accelerate as a result of that. And then also, we're just seeing people more interested in following general news, what's going on with the markets, what's going on with coronavirus because of the uncertainty that's going on. So I think it's a mixture of those two things. That's anecdotal. We don't have direct data to support that quantitatively, but it makes sense that there is going to be a spike. And I would guess that. So long as people are working from home and if the new normal is more people working from home, I think that influx of time spent on content consumption will stay. And I think there's other sources that are backing that up, too, just like the fact that Netflix and other streaming services are having crazy highs in terms of consumption.
0: From a macro point of view, we've we've truly unlocked engagement and everyone's been saying for years there's only so many hours in the day. But all it took was a global pandemic and we were able to find like two or three extra hours a day for media.
2: I feel like also the stigma of screen time is on pause. The whole like, you know, watch your time, you know, interact with each other. Let's go out for a drink. Stop staring at your screen. It's like, ah, don't worry about it. Go ahead and stare at your screen for a while. That's all we've got for an indefinite period of time.
1: I think that, I mean, I was listening to NPR yesterday morning and they were focusing on just like food. And they were interviewing somebody that uh, runs this recipe blog. And, you know, they were interviewing people that were calling in too. And people are just like, yeah, focusing on health is just outside the window of what we're trying to do right now. So I think these like, there are some people I think that are trying to like create healthy habits out of what's going on. And then there are other people that are just like, you know, there's so much going on. The last thing we need is more restrictions to what we might find as potential enjoyment.
0: You guys are, uh, were already pretty remote, right?
1: Yeah. So about uh, 70% of the employee count at Parsley was work from home. Uh, Operationally, though, we have always operated as a fully distributed team. And jokingly, we even call our office in New York City our internet cafe, because on any given time, we're going to have a handful of people that even work from home, you know, one or two days a week. So it wasn't Shifting the whole company to work from home during this wasn't a big kind of jump for us, but like we were discussing earlier, Paul, that doesn't mean that it doesn't create an environment like this, doesn't create anxiety, or we need to make sure that, you know, we're addressing fears or uncertainty that might exist with our employee.
0: Well, that's the fantasy. The fantasy was like, this is about work from home. This is about working during a global crisis and health event which is different from yeah, you know setting totally. up your home office with a nice video camera.
3: Yeah I think I think a lot of people have been pointing out the fact that this isn't normal work from home and a lot of teams you know there Parsley is a relatively mid-sized team but there are a lot of teams out there that have been fully distributed at the scale of hundreds or even thousands of employees and maybe for many years. And that style of distributed team work from home, not under duress and not because you were kind of told to do it, is pretty different from what people are facing right now, which is in a hurry trying to virtualize a lot of processes that used to be in person. So people should expect to be a bit more stressed about that. But Parsley's fortunate that we already had sort of a distributed team set up and it didn't really have to change much given all this.
0: How big is the team? We're uh, a little over 50 people. Right, so analogous to our size, how are you two finding, because you're, it's, it's a little bit of like looking in a mirror, right? Like you're looking at me and Rich, like how are you finding leadership and sort of co-foundership in this moment? For me, I find that our message is, you know, we doubled the number of all hands and there's a lot more like we're going to be okay and sort of maybe less operational focus and more just like, let's just keep it together and get our stuff done.
1: I think my take is a little bit different than that. I think communication with the company is incredibly important. We're not necessarily increasing the number of all hands, but we're doing weekly updates from me or from me and Andrew about what's going on with the company. I think we're trying to also be honest that though things are looking fine for now, we don't know where this will take us. And we're kind of really trying to understand the dynamics of the business. And maybe, Paul, we could talk a little bit about what we're seeing from a customer side at Parsley with mm-hmm. the ups and downs that are going on, because there are opportunities here and there are, you know, there is some pain that our customers are going through. But I think actually, operationally, that's really important. I think our team wants to see that we're taking action not just action for action's sake, but they want to see that we're doing things that are going to help impact them, impact our customers, impact our potential customers. And I think if we don't do that, then there's kind of like a question of, well, what is Parsley doing to help here? And so I think that has been my primary focus over the last couple of weeks is really getting that together. And you know, the, the customers that are getting the most impacted by this by far are... Any customers that are in local news, and we work with, you know, companies like Gannett. We work with companies like Lee Enterprises. We work with Berkshire Hathaway. All kind of these big local news conglomerates. And with all these businesses shutting down, the small businesses, which were the main advertising source, they're getting hit hard. So for them, like they're getting hit the hardest. We're just trying to figure out what we can do to help them out. How can we ensure that, you know? they get the clarity that they need to continue to drive their business forward. So the advertising revenue is just like getting hit really hard. A lot of them have kind of subscriptions that are in play, but they don't really have that making up for what's happening. And so there's some concern there and we're trying to just help support them. On the other media side, so there's general digital media and more around the premium digital media players. There's like a huge increase of traffic. There's a Blacklist on coronavirus content, which a lot of that traffic is going to, but like Andrew said earlier, it's not just coronavirus content. And then there's next step on an increase to subscriptions. So I've talked with several executives over the past week and a half, and they're all seeing subscriptions go up to their business. So there has been a translation of that traffic into subscriptions. But the big question that they don't have a good understanding of is why that's happening and what they can do to accelerate that. So part of what we're offering to our customers is the ability to opt into a add-on to our platform that we launched at the end of last year called Content Conversions. And really what that helps you do is understand how content and your broad content topics, authors, sections are helping to drive different types of conversions like subscriptions, signups, link clicks, things like that. And we're giving that for free from today, basically, all the way through May 30th. And we might even expand it beyond that if the need is there big reason why is they need this clarity. If they can help accelerate that side of the business, that's going to cover for the downside that they might be experiencing on the advertising side. So that's one set of customers. Now, the other customers that we work with, and I think, Paul, when we last met, we were talking about this you know, between us three, which is the other area of the business that's been growing is really marketing teams that are creating content themselves. And they work across many different verticals for us from financial services, professional services, to large B2C, to you know any anywhere in between that, and so for them it 's a little bit of a different focus. What they have seen happen is that all of the field marketing, the field sales events, conferences are just gone and they 're gone basically for two thousand and twenty they 're pulling back from all that stuff, but they still have the budget there, they still have the personnel that 's handling that, and so there 's been a huge shift over to digital digital first, digital only, as the way to help them generate the branding awareness they need, and then also generate the kind of leads on the B2B side, the conversions that they need. And So in a similar way, but for a very different reason, they also need clarity with how to make the shift to digital first, digital only, and how to make sure that they're justifying that the work they're doing on digital is creating the business value that's important for their teams, themselves, and their company. And so we're actually doing the same thing for anybody that's in that space, whether you're a new customer, whether you're a current customer, whether you're a prospect, you're going to get access to that same report for free. If you don't want to like use anything else, that's fine. If you don't want to sign up for Parsley after this period, that's fine. We're just hoping to provide more transparency around how that shift can be successful for you. You're bringing up a good, an interesting
2: point here, which is, and I've read this, I think, in a couple of places, the hosting bills are going up because the traffic's spiked up, but the ad revenue yep. is going down because everybody's confused right now. So
3: the ad revenue isn't necessarily going down everywhere. The problem is that certain brand advertisers are using brand safety tools to block ads on pages that explicitly mention COVID or coronavirus or other sort of uh, less brand safe traffic. Uh, topics. And unfortunately, because the crisis is so pervasive, it's bleeding into so much other coverage that sometimes perfectly good ad impressions are being blocked just out of an abundance of caution on the part of the brand advertiser. Now, uh, alongside that, you have other content that's getting more traffic. And so there are some ad impressions being made up for. But in general, it sounds like when we talk to our customers, they're being hurt in a, a lot of the premium categories, for example, a lot of the premium publishers out there, I think like Vox and The Atlantic and The New York Times, pointed out the fact that they were even having homepage ads blocked just because the homepage was mentioning headlines about the pandemic, right? So that that can have like a really big impact on a on a digital media company. And then, like Sachin mentioned, there's also local news impact just because of the knock-on effect of small businesses being shut down, and there just being less advertising revenue overall. So there is sort of a, a big shift in the short term, just like the whole economy is experiencing, the ad industry is experiencing that sort of pause or shift. The other thing, though, that I think is maybe a silver lining is that we've been talking for years to our customers about diversifying their revenue streams beyond ad impressions, And right now, there's uh, quite a large segment of our customers who have gone pretty deep on turning anonymous traffic into identify traffic, on trying to get email signups and maybe making email-based ad programs, and then even doing premium subscriptions, commerce revenue, all of that stuff. And so now I think there's just, this is kind of an event that causes those companies to say, we really need to double down on that stuff because
0: ad impression revenue is just too give and take at this moment. Take us back a step, right? Like brand yeah. safety is a thing we're we're talking about, and it it sounds sensible and abstract, but like I'm an advertiser and I want to put my ads on pages and I need to buy something called brand safety. What the hell am I buying? What is that actually?
3: Under the hood from a technical standpoint, I think it's pretty close to just thinking of it as here's a bunch of really nasty keywords. I'm going to block ads on pages that explicitly mention those keywords
0: the publisher goes hey i got a page for you and some server somewhere goes cool i got some ads but hold on let me just look at your page real quick yeah and they say that
3: page has car crash on it i don't want to advertise on car crash right
0: so no cuz i'm toyota it's exactly. like that's just bad bad for me okay so like is there like a big brand safety player or is it built into the service? Sev- several ad tech companies are pretty deep
3: in the brand safety space and help the programmatic market with it
0: and I- i'm assuming that they don't respond to events in the way that like we might are they dealing with this and going like, whoa, hold on, let's...
3: Oh, yeah. Some of them have taken public stances, but the key thing to understand is that in an ad tech ecosystem, for the most part, the customer is the brand, right? The publisher is the provider of inventory. So they're kind of doing what the brands are asking them to do. And, you know, that's kind of the the key dynamic here. And that that has to do with the broader move in the industry, which is ceding control of your ad inventory to middlemen, which does lead to this problem, right?
1: Now I think this is not just a concern for publishers though too, you know, there's talk about brands pulling back from maybe not more Google but more Facebook. So as more people are just talking about what's going on with the pandemic and coronavirus, There are brands that want to pull away from Facebook because the newsfeed is just showing a lot of that stuff. And so in the same way they don't want to advertise on a publisher, they don't want to advertise related directly to people talking about the pandemic on Facebook. So I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook takes somewhat of a hit here in the short term. I think Google's probably more protected against this. I would say that Twitter is also you know, in the same zone as kind of uh, Facebook in terms of advertisers wanting to block any experience that has mention of the stuff. To take a positive
3: spin on it, though, you know, advertising is a market right now. And that does mean that because of the uncertainty, there's a pause in certain categories of ad spend. But then because it's a market, that means that the prices for that ad inventory drop. And other smart advertisers are going to take advantage of that drop and then bid back up the prices. It just might take time for that adjustment to happen because what you have happening right now is big advertisers like sports teams and movie theater chains are just putting a total pause on advertising. And so it's going to take time for other smart businesses to tap into that same inventory and bring it back up. Publishers are just stuck in the middle of that battle right now and have to fight for survival
0: in the interim. It's very surreal to see all these follow-on effects, right? Like, Because there's this one huge event that's incredibly serious and you can only give it a certain amount of your brain every day or you'll get unbelievably mm-hmm. depressed and then there's all this other stuff that like we're, we're sort of starting to see the skeleton underneath all the bizarre marketplaces and incredibly abstract things that we've built so well it's good to know that the the media is still still has a fighting chance in the middle of all this and uh, it's very interesting to hear what it looks like from a macro view there's there's just a lot of of ferment. It's going to be a wild couple of months. Let's check back in when we have some idea what the hell's happening in the world. Yeah, sounds good. That would be great. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best pack? Hello at Parsley.com. So
1: that's hello at P-A-R-S-E-L-Y.com. Parsley spelled differently.
0: All right. And that is incredibly convenient because if you need Postlight, Rich, where do people send an email? Hello at postlight.com My God, these organizations have so much in common. If you need yeah. things built or, you know, frankly, we're not you know what? selling just, just too hard right Just write an email right to
3: both of us. Just put, you know, hello yeah, at Parsley.com
0: and cc Postlight on there yeah. too. We are glad to hear about anything going on. This is not a hard sales moment. Let us know what's <laughs> going on in your world and we'll... Uh, We'll reply with the to the best of our ability. Andrew, Sashim, thank you very much for coming thank on. Thank you guys. Thanks,
1: Paul. Thanks, Rich.